Good afternoon and welcome to the Hard Luck Show. I'm your certified, qualified West Side host, Steve Lucky Luciano. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is the greatest show on earth. Hard Luck Show coming from you from the virus bunker today in Southern California. Sitting across from me, my co-host and partner is Chumahan Bowen, American Indian, Southern Californian, elegant barbarian. Here we are again. Let's fucking just get crazy. Let's just get the energy up. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Hunting knife out. Indian raps. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. They'll be scalping some people. Yeah. Savage. Yeah. Savage. Right on. Yeah. Now you know where we're going. Yeah. And on sound. Oh, blue eyes. Lewis. Certified audio professional. Engineer. For the hard luck. Show. Yeah. Get that. He came crazy twice in one day. Yeah. He. You know what? He let me know what his process is. He sits and thinks about it for about three or four hours. What, what is this, like some uh, like Sacramento hypey type shit? Or what this is this? This is some Vallejo, Crestside. Vallejo, okay. Uh, old school Mac Mall. Okay, all right. Yeah. I knew it was some, some Northern California, Northern Cali. That's, that's Sean's style, man. He's a Northern Cali, Cali fool. He named his son Coit after Coit Tower. You can't get more Northern California than that. <laughs> yeah, and, he, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he loves uh, the fucking San Francisco. What do they call it again? I don't even want to say their the name. The 49ers. Yeah. Uh, who? Yeah. Who? The, <laughs> you know what else? Yeah, bro. Sean, Sean. This guy right here. And Sean's a clam chowder and a sourdough bowl food. Oh, yeah. 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 Here, here's yeah. Here's 39. Fisherman's that, Wharf, baby. Fisherman's Wharf. Right. Can't get that fool out of there. So, uh, who do we introduce first? I'm more of a crap sandwich type guy, though. We are. <clears throat> we have a special guest in today. We have a couple special guests. We have a, but we have we have our good friend Brian Stevens sitting in today doing some commentary. Brian, welcome to the show. Welcome yeah, well, it's to nice show. to be back again. Yeah, and it's nice to have you on doing a little commentary, you know? Right on some shows this weekend. With Who me. ever knew I'd be doing commentary? Oh, hard yeah. luck. Yeah. Listen, this guy's no slouch. Yeah. Uh, he met uh, one of the guys connected to the uh, Hillside Stranglers. Yeah, I actually met yeah. two. Yeah. You did? Yeah. Not the Hillside Stranglers, no. Who? Uh, Wonderland Murders. Wonderland, Wonderland Murders. Murders. Yep. Yeah. Who was it? I met uh, Gregory Dials. I was on the uh, same tier with him for a few months. Who was he in relation? He was involved with uh, uh, Eddie Nash and the killings that John Holmes was involved in. Right. Yeah. Eddie Nash, yeah. the uh, the club Wunderkind, right? Yeah, he the, owned almost the all Armenian, the clubs. Armenian, I think he was Armenian. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and uh, and he and you listen, Brian Stevens. We call him shoeless shoeless Brian Stevens because he was dropped off by the police in where was it? Santa Rosa. Santa Rosa. He was dropped off in, in the a, yeah in, in the ghetto at nighttime. In the ghetto at night, one shoe, <laughs> in a tank top, yeah, yeah. just like this, and a fucked up on. foot that right <laughs> blown up, up looked like sourdough. Yeah, and then uh, he was able to buy shoes off a homeless man who had true story, <laughs> ten bucks. <laughs> This all comes out of jumping out of a third-story building. <laughs> right. And that was only followed up by, th- or preceded by 36 years. You can't write this stuff. No, you, you can't. can't write this You shit, could write bro. it, but nobody would nobody believe it. it. This is true stuff. This started no. about a year ago. This 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 is a true story. And it was a woman. It's a woman have been your downfall. This is why you picked the Marshall Tucker Band, which yeah. is also why <laughs> we've brought in maybe one of the most eminent, prominent, illustrious guests We've ever had uh, yep. somebody Special who is for you, Brian. Yeah, so credential. I can't wait. Uh, yeah, and listen, he might have something to say about some subjects that you should listen yes. up. We should all listen up. Yeah, especially I'm you. Wide open. I mean, <laughs> okay. I, need, I can use the advice. Yeah. Listen, uh, I don't. Is this the time to? Yeah, man. I, right he has now. A, listen, bro. Uh, uh, listen. Let's. Maybe, it's do, he had an entourage. I mean, the guy came in. He's yeah, got absolutely. people with bottles of water. I don't know what rain the dope right banning him. I don't understand what the Doberman pinchers are for, yeah. but <laughs> he's got four <laughs> of them, <laughs> right? Um, and I was just handed a card uh, from a gentleman in a in a suit, a bald gentleman in a suit with the earpiece. Yeah, he just with told me that this is the the song that uh, we're supposed to introduce this guy on. So I guess we got to go with this. Yes. Okay, here he goes. Huh? Is it? He's getting ready. He's behind him in. Sean, tell Sean, me can tell come him in. Sean, can come in. We've disinfected everything. Right. No tell COVID. Send them in. Right. Everyone's bowed down. Avert your eyes. Don't even look at yeah, him. Yeah, don't stare. Don't stare into his eyes. Don't embarrass eyes, me now, Sean. Okay. Don't look Brian, at him. Right. Brian. I'm not looking. Don't Please. look. I'm not looking. All here right. Comes. Oh, look at that. Look at this guy. Oh, look at this. <laughs> look at this guy, bro. Look at this. Oh my god, he's doing handstands, yeah. somersaults. Yeah. I can't believe all the diamonds. Why is he surrounded by so many women? I, I don't I've know. never seen anything like that. Uh, dude. Yeah, get out of his way. Can Look we at, get the girls out of the way and listen, let the guys sit down? They have to wait outside because they smell uh, too good. I'll, I'll yeah, take them yeah, outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Brian, you I got stay. This. No, yeah, you yeah, don't yeah, got yeah. anything. I got this. You, you, listen, you're going to get another 36 years if you spend one second with those hot chicks. <laughs> it's good worth Lord. it. Let's welcome him. Right. Finally, do awaited uh, a very old and dear friend of mine. Let's welcome the infamous, yes, Mr. Patrick Hollick to the show. Patrick, yeah. welcome to the show. Hey. I want to say the illustrious, the illustrious. The what is illustrious? I don't really know. Yeah, but no you, one does. You know? it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It means shining. But, shining. Yeah, but but what, if I'm hanging out with you for a whole day, there yeah. will be some illustrious. There's going gonna be on. some illustrious. Yeah. So, this, wow. So you, you got to be important to bring your own music. Listen. Let me yeah, ask. yeah. And have a guy hand it off like this is what you're playing for my boss. Listen. All right, let's just cut the hijinks let's right do now. It. Let's, let's just do get it down right to now. brass fucking tech. How do you know Mr. Hollick? I know Mr. Hollick. I met Mr. Hollick about 25 years ago, and I met him through Estevan. And Patrick uh, was in New York, living in New York, and um, had come out here. 
and was kind of like in the early stages of like kind of putting his life back together or putting his life together and uh you know was was working different jobs and like had like a uh, some visions and ideas and um you know he started putting these pieces together i mean I, it, let me just say this is that uh I mean, we're going to get there. Patrick is a, a really renowned photographer. Okay. Really, really accomplished photographer. But wait so a you second. you go through L.A. and you talk about fucking photographers, you can say this stuff on Oreo. Hey, do you know Patrick Hall? And he'll be like, yeah, I'm going to give him props. Right. Because this dude's the beast. But we're talking about like a real photographer. We're not talking we're, we're not Because I know a about, lot of people who claim to be photographers. Everybody right. I know has a camera. Oh, that's right. And they're going around standing in the middle of the street and shooting shit. A real photographer. Miss, so let's ask Patrick real quick. What, and I know you might be an art guy, but what makes a real photographer from somebody who just bought a camera and just goofing around? Like, what's the difference? I think it's time. I think it's time. You know, I've been doing it for a minute. So I think it's uh, time and vision. It's also light and composition. Right. You know, and I think history will tell. I, we can't tell. You know, history tells the story of a person. But you're right. Everyone's a photographer. Anyone with an iPhone is a photographer today. Right. Yeah. But then they're not. We have to go through these cycles all the time. But I will tell you that Instagram has made it very interesting, you know, to call the world a photographer. Right. And uh, I guess only they say cream rises to the top. That's true. And it's in any sport or any game, you know. All the industries have been deaded. And then some people still eat from it, you know. Right. But, so yeah. when you say a minute, really, how much effort and time have you really put into photography? Photography was late. This is the confusing part of the biography. I started at uh, 16 years old in gangster rap music video New York City when it was really just f- starting to form. Photography came many, many years later when I had come through the process of what Lucky was talking about, which was rethinking my life. Like, I basically went all the way over the edge with a heroin addiction and a lot of bad things. You ever read Iceberg Slim? Yeah, I have read it. Yeah. (laughs) I know a couple guys that have been trying to make the book for 10 years. Okay. They have the rights and they have still not made it. It's been What's Idris Alda. It's right. been it's been everybody's been in it. You know, Chappelle's been there's been a million people. That, What's the problem? Um, I guess it's timing. It's like the the old Hollywood timing thing. You know, some projects are around for twenty years before they get made. What about Donald Goins? Don't don't know Donald Goins. Steve, tell me about Donald Goins. We're going to, but first oh. I wanna hear about <laughs> Let's go back to like you're rethinking your life. Yeah. Went overboard on heroin. Yeah. That's Good. when I went, that's when Estevan became one of the best people in my life. He took me when I was coming out of rehab. I had, uh, you know, I was negative $300,000. And Estevan gave me my first job for like $2 a week. Right. And uh, you were in the uh, locked up. I was in the clink. He was locked up. I was hearing about how miraculous the leader of the troop would be, and he would be soon coming outside <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to the free world. Um, and that's how it all starts. How, did, how does that make you feel, Steve, when you hear uh, no, Patrick he, say that? He gasses me up good. I love it. Yeah? yeah, yeah. Right. Absolutely. That's interesting. <laughs> that's the beginnings there. I, I remember I got an apartment. I, had, I was sleeping on a not guilty folded uh, <laughs> 
This is true. I had a folded sweatshirt as a pillow and another sweatshirt as a blanket, and that's how it all started over. From being, you know, completely delusional, making money, and the whole lifestyle, you know, the first act, act one. So in act was, one starts, it begins where? Where does act, act one? Act one is club promoter, moves to New York, meets the hottest 26-year-old socialite in New York, luckily, meets a guy named Kevin Bray, luckily, and uh, Kevin puts me on uh, Gangstar's Manifest video reenacting the Malcolm X story with Guru. Uh, and then they could like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I want to direct. I want to be like you. The next job, assistant director, learning what that means. Really quick learning because right. production hadn't really been formatted yet. It's like everyone was surviving. Right. You know, we used to go to 42nd Street, hold up a, a card that said, if you're here, you're in this. And right. that was what we call the permit, a waiver. Right. So the whole fucking city of New York City was in the video now. Right. Um, these were lawless times. And then uh, in eight months, I got to direct, which was, I was 16 years old and uh, I thought I was fucking God. Right. You know, I was like a what dorky kid to... in LA yeah. and all of a sudden I had the key to the city. It's, uh, it's a theory I had. Either you're cool in school or you're cool later. I wasn't cool in school. I right. was cool later. Right. You know? Right. Those stories go on and on. But yeah, that's what happened. That's how it happened. And then it never stopped. And then the party starts to, there's an old saying, have the party, don't let the party have you. The party starts having you. Right. You know, which is what leads to the next, you know, thing. But uh, New York was the formative years and learning what cameras were, what film was, what exposures were, what. So this is my prior, which everyone gets confused. They're like, oh, he's a photographer. And then uh, old school is like, no, he's a director. And it's just back and forth, back and forth. But it all leads to the same learning experience. And then back to why. Is my photo different? It's probably because I came from cinematic. Right. I came from learning about light. And then I put the light inside of, I would take this artificial light and put it in real scenarios. So I would create a scenario where I would make everything perfect and then fuck it up, destroy it, have a kid like not stand on his mark, do something like punch a punching bag or do something to create reality inside of the falsehood. And that became what they call the trademark style. Right. And then, you know, and as a mix. Do great photographers or great directors, they eventually articulate a signature style that you can look at and say, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a Coppola film. Or that's correct. It, yeah, right? yeah, exactly. And then our job is to destroy that and move on, which is like you always want to evolve, or you're gonna devolve. You know, in mm -hmm. the words of like somebody like Anthony Robbins, either you're regressing or you're you know you're moving. greening, growing, or ripening. Correct. Which some people like your say your your core audience can hate. They're like, I don't like this shit. I liked what you did for this. It's just like, it's like anybody wanting to not repeat the same trick right you know and one thing good about photo and film and all that stuff is you never learn you never arrive you're never whenever i hear that i'm a master of something it scares the fuck out of me because it means that i'm gonna disconnect and then get comfortable and sit somewhere and anyone i like that i don't admire sits somewhere right and they're like this is my shit no like i'm not the guy that has his own photos or his own films in his house you know mm, it's always bothered me let me, so then, who is your photographic heroes? Never had one. I liked Ansel painters. Ansel Adams? No. I like painters. Who do you like painters? Um, there's so many. Jean-Michel was an early influence because he was running New York City when I was there. Uh-huh. Um, there's... 
Dash Snow was a little kid painter that actually passed away. We lost. He was a skater gone painter. Um, there's a lot. Uh, Vasquez was like where I got my early light ideas from. Right. He was like early, early. Um, th- there's just so many that I You know I what's like. crazy about what you're saying is, Steve, I was reading about directors and I was reading about <clears throat> where they got their influences and stuff like that. And almost all of them, hands down, always say you want to learn how to develop your eye from painters. Because they are the masters of light. They they have to do so much in what they're doing. And they can't just kind of come up with it. It's it's hundreds of hours to make a skyline. Right. So they're not sort of doing it. They're fucking laboring. Right. You know? Makes sense. I just think their right. eyes are sharp. It's not that I don't like photographers. I just didn't have any... Uh, study of it I didn't look at photographers there's a kid named Shady in New York City who's a great profound director he did Kill a Man for Cyprus he's early days he did like the beasties um, and he's the first guy that said, you know, like back to the girl thing, he was like, you're good with girls. You should be a photographer. And then he's like, I got a better idea. I'm going to pretend to assist you. Right. And then you put something together. And I remember my first shoot was because of David Perez, his nickname Shady, long before Eminem. Right. A hundred years before Eminem. Um, and he had me, uh, he set me up, made me look like some big pimp in New York City. Yeah. And I had these girls walking down Prince Street naked during like business hours. Yeah. And he was like, I knew it. I knew it. You know? And he's like, <laughs> how'd you get them to do that? I'm like, I don't know. I just said it was a big deal. Right. And he made me look like I was a big deal because you're handing me cameras and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But what's funny is that day happened and then there was 10 more years before I ever saw a camera <laughs> in stills because I, like I was doing music videos <laughs> and I was directing videos. Right. He's like, you're a natural was stills and I was like eh nah but Shady was early on that idea and that idea didn't come back until after rehab and after rehab it was because I had destroyed everything I knocked all my buildings down and I found a Canon AE1 that my dad had won in like a wine selling contest and then I started working with Estevan and Estevan kept coming back from the road when he was road tour managing road managing and he was getting better and better and better photos. And I was like, oh. So I started bringing my camera. And he'll tell you this story. It's always funny because I used to just lean over his fucking shoulder for my composition. I used to just follow him. I used to be in the pocket and just be behind Esteban shooting photos. And there was this, you know, jumping way ahead. There was this one day where it was like Dickie's campaign came and we both did Dickie's. And I think it was a place where it was like, this is my shit. You need to go shoot, like, fucking white people. You need to go shoot, like, Brad Pitt. Right. You know, and I get it. So I was like, yeah, you know, I have this whole other entertainment community that I've known for a long time. So I went off and played me, you know. Right. And did him. Right. And it was, like, this really nice moment that happened. But he was very much influential. There's a lot of influential people in the photo world, but he was one of them. I always see Estevan always with some younger artists that are there, that are learning something. He's really open like that. Yeah. You know, he's like the guy that helped me get my life back together when I came out with a huge ego with nothing to back and just a petulant fucking spoiled child. Estevan was mean dad. 
And he used to do things like, uh, one of my favorite things he used to do is whenever you'd fuck up a shipping order, because we were running a clothing company, it was me and Duke from Psycho Realm. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know Duke, but Duke and I ran the shit, and we were the kids while the adults were out like living large, you know? Yeah. And we'd always try to get on that. And once in a while, Esteban would do us a favor and take us with like 80 lowriders to Lollapalooza, and we'd be able to stand on the stage. We right. got good benefits from the boss. Right. But if I sent one shirt to the wrong place, out of a hundred thousand units I'd he'd go he'd look at me and then the video camera would come up with cartoon and I knew what it meant it meant that we were putting on the gloves and we were going in the racquetball court and I was going to try to fight him fight Esteban that's exactly so when my workers and interns are like dude you're being abusive or you're being you know uh, I'm getting PTSD because you're yelling (laughs) I'm like I wish you know sometimes I get him in the room and I'm like tell him what we would do if this happened he's like it's easy you would put on the gloves right and he was a fucking boxer so there was no winning that there's many shots of me um, which I'm still upset aren't in the documentary. Like somehow Ryan Gosling or no, not Ryan. Ryan Philippi represented the white boy that he knew because right. of like the Netflix deal. Right. But when we want the real story, no. Um, basically, <laughs> I would shoot, get hit. We're going to shoot the real story. We're Supposedly, gonna, uh, we're going to get some in the next documentary. Yeah, do you want to be a part we're two? We're going to do a behind the scenes <laughs> LA original. It's going to be you directed see, by you. You can see very stylistic <laughs> slow motion shots of me getting hit in the spleen and dropping to a knee like you never saw. Listen, you can't pay for street cred like that. No, it was anymore. great. Right. It was great. Exactly. It was put on the gloves every time he fucked up and I'll never... <laughs> I, I've appreciated it to this day because it made me who I am. So if anyone's like, oh, you know, why did you get so aggressive with career? Why did you stack paper and do all that stuff? It's because I didn't want to do the other. You know what I mean? Right. The Steve, other wasn't sexy. Yeah. Steve, what are you hearing when you hear this? Do you ever fight Esteban? You guys ever put the gloves we on? Bo- we, we box. Uh, Maybe from a loving place, somewhere. not from fucking up a shipping. I order. don't. Uh, no, not like. But we know we've definitely uh, gone at it. Who who won? Let's stop pretending to be friends. Who won? I think it was. I think it was uh, Esteban's got really good defense. Right. He's really got. Um, also but, a hook that's violent. There's a really yeah, nasty I guess, hook. Uh, you know what? I guess that's part of like uh, He's rehearsed TLC. that hook. TLC because I've never gotten received that hook. And I never really went off on it, Stevon. But we've sparred and messed around and he's hard to get. He's hard to catch him. Hold on, stop. Sean, uh, engineer man, what are you hearing here when that conference? Is that a polite? Is that a political? What is that a real answer? What are you hearing? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen Esteban, but from what I'm gathering, maybe maybe uh, Esteban went light on Lucky. No, I'm I'm hearing that 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 Lucky's a powerhouse and he's being modest right now. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, I no, think no. that's modesty. Right, yeah. right, no, no. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to see that fight because it would I just would. be like are, are a you, lot uh, of walls would be broken and shit would be upside for that, down. That one. Usually looking for that one one hit. No, we're putting on the gloves. I'm just boxing. Just you know. 
But he's like really defensive. He's good. He also right. has the dead eye. He has no expression. Yeah, you don't he know. He has that no, you know, no you emotion. You don't know if you hit him. Poker you don't face. know what's going Poker on with him. Yeah. You don't know where he's looking. He just has a dead expression. No compassion. Just yeah. a dead glare. I'm hearing modesty, Lex. There's no tail. I'm hearing tail. I'm hearing modesty. Listen, Listen, we're selling tickets uh, to I the remember, I, what I'm hearing When I'm hearing some of this, what is bringing me back is it's bringing me back to like maybe like maybe four or five years prior uh, working with Zerga and Doug and fucking Estelan and every time some shit would go south or somebody start yelling at somebody Estelan would have the gloves in his car he loves it and he'd be yeah. like you know and that's why we would box at lunch break and they would constantly so be wait. all of us taking turns. Some people didn't Zerga. get the gloves when so, they really fucked sure. up. There was right. no gloves. Yeah. So it wasn't and Zerga? still a video camera. Esteban? What? <laughs> so it wasn't Zerga that promoted the fighting. It was Estevan. No, it was it was it was Estevan promoting it first. Okay. And then everybody kind of like, caught yeah. on. But yeah, Estevan's yeah. tall, and he's got a reach. He does, man. He you does. know what I mean? He's got a reach. You know what is interesting is <clears throat> when I went to the joint um, and when I left we had not guilty and and then pretty shortly after I was in prison we lost the name it changed to Joker brand right right, right. but in this transition um, you know Duke like he's saying Pat Duke were there mm. running like shit mm. yeah, all the shit all that stuff and Jessica my ex-wife was helping run it with Estevan. And I know that there was like, you know, those four people were really holding down. And Patrick was one of those guys that was just like, do it all. You know? There you had no to. Real, there, you had there, there, to. No, no real job description. It was like, whatever had to happen, if you needed to drive a truck to fucking Vegas and yeah. unpack a booth that's how and drive was. back and go get the samples and come back then that's what you if Stevan yeah. told you that's what you're gonna do and then you'd have a caveat like you'd have the uh, the whole board mix of the Cypress show in front of 300,000 people yeah. and at the end of the pain and suffering you brought the show and stood on stage and you got laid that was right. your benefit <laughs> that was your benefit you'd make Cypress babies yeah, yeah. that's right. what you would yeah, do yeah yeah, yeah 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 man listen <laughs> there's always like a hot fudge Sunday at the end of the Pain and anguish. Uh, when, and are you t- telegraphing your preferences when you say hot fudge Sunday? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so so okay. So let's 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 wind it back up then. Okay. So, and I've asked Steve this uh, because you know I've had my own addiction issues, but not the same. Yeah. Right. Mine mine purely liquid form. Right. Just mm-hmm. a, just a regular drunk. I got eighteen years now. So whatever. But what was it? Uh, for you the first time that you decided uh, to use heroin? It was watching. I had fallen in love with this beautiful uh, Dutch Filipino girl who was like this goddess. Yeah, it was next level. It was one of those things that the whole neighborhood would stare at. And she was perfect because she hated men. This girl had done this film in in, uh, NYU as her thesis called The Job. And when I was looking at her restaurant, my buddy Kevin Breo gave me my video career. He said, I hope you're not looking at this girl. I go, why? He goes, because her film, The Job, was this godfather rip 
ripoff. And these mobsters are in a room talking for hours about the job. And finally, the guy says, yeah, I want to I accept the job. I want the job. And the guy gets up and he unzips his pants and the guy goes to his knees. And I was yeah. like, that's how much that's how much he hated men. So anyway, she had <laughs> she had a I'm uh, laughing because Brian got his feelings over when he said that. Brian, <laughs> 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 get on that mic. Yeah. 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 Shoeless Brian <laughs> Stevens. Brian made a sour old face when he wow. said that. I was expecting that ending at all. <laughs> so that's that's the chick that was doing the closet heroin habit, which was, you oh, know, really? back in the day it was $10. It was in the East Village in like four oh, locations. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to be no dumb kid from L.A. I wanted to, in New York, I decided... Because uh, I was a dumb kid from L.A. I was like, I'm going to do everything except fuck a dude. That's the only thing that doesn't right. interest me. I right. want to try the drugs. I want to try the, ex- you know, because I was always like, no, 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 no. I just wanted experiences. So when I saw this going on with the dope, I was like, I got to try it. And, of course, she was, like, blocking that at every cor- corner. Right. And I had to sneak off and get some. And then, you know, I had found my best friend. Because the best thing for dealing with guys like Clive Davis when you're fucking 16. Right is to have a bag of heroin because you could walk in any room. I mean, I went from being scared of my own shadow to putting my feet up on Clive's desk going, Clive, look, this is what we're doing. And somebody would be fucking nudging me going, it's Mr. Davis. I'm like, fuck that. Listen, I'm going to tell him from the street what we're doing with Alicia Keys. That's where I'm coming from. Right. And it makes you delusional and have no fear. So heroin was like, you know, the the uh, Superman dust. Right, but then there's a guy a figure like Clive Davis mm-hmm. do they respond now they think they've got somebody with vision oh yeah and some he conf- gave me the job right because yeah. I was way out of control <laughs> and I did that to all the Lior Cohen's and the Def Jams and all the shit because you walk in right and you're like I know you don't you're old you're out of touch you're a fucking monkey in an office I'm on the street right now <laughs> yeah. telling you what I'm seeing but you can it. tell me the pitch if you want I used to just get all fucking you know jujitsu the cra- on them yeah what was the craziest thing like get t- you don't have to say who, yeah. but what was the craziest like pitch? Like, was there any time when you walked in there and you're like, "Look, Abe, you're suspect. <laughs> Your whole outfit suspect. I'm the on the last." There was hope. a lot, but you know, one thing is, is like I barely remember <laughs> any of my my greatest hits. You know, I'll have someone come up and be like, "Yo, you remember the thing with the rooster?" I'm like, "What?" You know, and he'll be like, "Yeah, you had like a rooster and a bowling ball in this car, and you were on like 900 bucks worth of heroin, and then you were hand you brought it to some fancy restaurant, saying, "What? You bought it yesterday?" I'm like, "I don't remember the rooster." That's you know the best I mean? thing I've that ever kind heard. of shit you don't remember. You know, it's just I like, love that. but I was delusional and a narcissist and an egomaniac, and that's how I got through the music video area because they're all like a bunch of freaky sociopaths and fake friends right which I learned later when why I did well in photo is because I was able to edit all the bullshit out of my photo career that I had taken and endured in my video career I had learned that no one's your friend when you're not on TRL no one's your friend when you don't have any cake you know you have these 60 man crews that are like your best friends living with you hanging with you and the hour you don't give them the dollar they don't fucking know you they're on to the next dude that's got the job right so like that's one of the things that was good for me it was like it was like uh, school and I was learning who's in my corner hold on one second Sean I saw you listening and nodding can you relate or what are you what are you doing? No, it just sounds 
I look over at Sean. He's just checking levels. He's like, yeah, I like the app on that. I love it because you're like, listen, you got 60 guys working in your crew. The next day you don't have a dollar. And Sean's like nodding. He said like, yeah, it's fucked up. You don't have any real friends in the video. (laughs) It's like, you know, in the video. It's a cold world. Yeah. And you see it in Hollywood now. You see like, yo, so-and-so farted. So he got canceled. Right. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. We got to cancel him. I think because somebody said we got to cancel him. Right. This is like the same old shit. Steve, do you have you do you have any stories about being fucked up or high and going into pitch some shit and it just worked out like because because my luck I have to be straight if I go in and act crazy then it's just gonna blow up and that's the that's the kind of guy I am I gotta be for, for the most part straight and and say it right and do whatever I'm supposed to do my luck is I do a bunch of heroin and then I get fired and now I'm heroin and broke you <clears throat> you have anything like that yeah I do it's similar um the hair. The problem is that when I was doing the heroin, um, there was no job things going on. I just wanted to be high, right? <laughs> Nodding out, left alone. So yeah. there was no like. But but what I will say is, kind of an experience was the very first day that I did meth. I operated in a way where I was like everything was like. <laughs> the first day I did math. I did like the right amount. It was the first, first day. Time you ever did day it? Ever. <laughs> and everything from the beginning of the day was like. Yeah. I was batting 500. And then at the end of it, <laughs> I was like fucked for like 18 hours and then busting an Olympic nut. You know, it was like. The whole entire. I had encapsulated like the perfect experience in a. And then I could never, I was chasing that again. So mm. there was a, there was a, I've had some things where like, I believed it worked. I believed it worked so well, I chased after it over and over yeah. again. Oh. But, you know, it also uh, takes, it's like, those are the good days. And then there's the bad days where I did the same thing. And some fucking intern in the back corner of the executive office gave me a look like, no. Right. And you were like, I'll kill you. You don't, you don't even exist, but you got slighted. And when you get slighted, that's when you question, yeah. you know, do I want to be a drug addict or do I want to rule the world? Shoeless you know? Brian Stevens, did you ever have a perfect meth day? <laughs> no. <I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> well, all my, you got to understand, most of my experiences when it comes to heroin, especially heroin, were all in prison. Right. You know, I did 35 years in prison and I started, I only used a couple of times before I went to prison. And that was just to get in that girl's panties I told you about earlier. Right. But other than that, all my experiences are prison experiences. They're not good. Right. <laughs> They're not good at all. Especially, especially methamphetamine in prison is not good. Why is that? Because it, it, first you're around a bunch of violent people. <laughs> that might not be so good. First. That's number one. That's number, okay. Yeah, and, and you're around so many different groups of people that every, almost everybody's your enemy. Right. Because you know, everything's broken down by race. Right. And there's when you start using meth, the paranoia comes in. So now you're thinking you're looking at every other race or who your, your enemy is, and right. everything is kind of exaggerated. Right. So you're arming yourselves, and you're creating, you know, you're, you're creating almost riots behind you. You're creating, <laughs> you're that, creating situations that, for yourself. That, that's exactly what it is. I mean, wow. we're and you got to. And I was the kind of guy like this that I wasn't going to be looked at as weak. I'd be paranoid and scared to death. Right. But I'm I'm coming out of my cell. 
Right. And I'm going to arm myself and I'm coming out. And that's the bottom line. <laughs> and, and thinking that there's people looking at me and no one even has a fucking clue what I'm doing. Right. They just see you walking. <laughs> they don't even yeah, know. Yeah, they have no idea what's going no, on in your brain. They're not paying attention to me. Right. Other than my closest homeboys, they'd come get me and walk me to Chow and to the yard because they knew where I was at. <laughs> right. So, those are my. They don't want me out of. They don't want me out of my cell. But Brian Stevens is like, listen, I can't show fear. Brian Stevens is like, I can't show fear. I got to walk out. The sharks out there can smell fear. I get it's like loading up with all these weapons. Nobody's even paying attention. And that's exactly right. They're like, hey, you need to, you need to walk Stevens down to the. Yeah, bro. Two youngsters. Hey, you too. Get over here. You need. You got a babysitting job right about now. Um, okay, uh, now the um, the Dutch Filipina. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, expo- so what did you learn from her? What was she just like? how much I could hate myself and like go down the journey of uh, something that won't happen? Did you guys ever have a romantic? Yeah, anything? yeah, all the stuff, all, all the, the above. Um, but it also was the teaching at a very young age of what I will and won't do in a relationship like that. And what did, so tell guys. I was a lot just of guys more like are... a, uh, an invisible romance story of like really giving a fuck for someone that was a sociopath. Wow. That would you know you'd walk in on her with so-and-so and something and you'd just be like, wow. And you just kept stabbing yourself in the stomach oh. until, you know, you get hardened and then you learn what not to apply for the rest of your life. Right. You know, right. I only needed that. I only needed that once. Right. Some of my homeboys needed that still today. Some guys I, are I, looking for I, that. Yeah. I, I went into the rectum of pain. The right. emptiness, the vanish. Right. Um, that's what I did it with everything. I did it with drugs. I did it with food. I did it with the women. I did it, you know. So you, how you, beautiful was she? She was next level. Yeah, it was. The, it was something that, like, from Forty Second Street down to like, uh, you know fucking Tribeca people were losing sleep over you know yeah and people would say that my chick at the time that I was cheating on her with was better right but of course you don't want what's next to you, you uh, want what the you old saying have. next to every hot girl is a guy that's sick of fucking her yep. right yep. right mm. except except, never, except for my wife that in all of you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. except yeah. for my wife <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, right. Hey. but yeah, yeah that was just another thing there was 2,000 more uh, replica Filipino Dutch, Italian, and uh, this one kid coined me as, uh, I think Brett Ratner said, I don't like third world, I like fourth. Right. Third world isn't enough. Right. It has to be like Italian, Ethiopian, Indian, Spanish. <laughs> right. He's like, can you just go with two or three? He's like, right. Patrick needs five. You know what? You know you're getting a lot of women when Brett Ratner is talking to you about the different levels of Ratner women. Ratner was you're... always laid on the stock. We'd right. always have it ten years before him. He'd come in the back sweating with rings and things from like clothing stores. Yeah. Uh, we didn't need it. I just had my Stevan taught me that. He's like, you know, you could have a beat up Volkswagen if you could throw game. You got game. Right. You don't need Ferraris and spaceships. Right. So I was like, yeah, yeah. Like Stevan said, you know, you just go up to someone and tell them what what time it is. You know right. what I mean? So okay. I learned from him. He used to walk the fields at these concerts, and he'd have a micro cassette recorder. He'd be like, "What's your name and your number?" He didn't even fucking know him. <laughs> right. And I started doing that all the time. I, I went on a set of uh, what was his name Timberlake's video yeah, with Justin this girl Timberlake. named Kiana. And I was like, uh, it was him and Pharrell when he was going solo, justified, and he was doing like Britney Spears. Britney Spears hit hurt me, and like you know, so there's this girl named Kiana, and I was just like, he, he, somebody said, dude, you came on set, you took a big hit of the cigarette, you blew it in Justin's face, you didn't even know him, and you handed this girl you don't know your phone, and you go, yo, put your name and your number in there. 
and that's how you did it. Right. It's like delusional, but right. they would think they had to comply for whatever or you reason. Must, or somebody must have something to act that way. They're never going to find out. It was just some fucking weird shit that I learned from the boys. Just like ask for what you want, you know? Right. Some days would be like, hey, girl, you got nice teeth. You right. know, and they'd be sleeping with her in 20 minutes. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. At that point, right, for, for, for a guy with your storied history, where do you go from there in terms of romance? Like, do you now, you're like, you know, I no longer find that exciting? I used to want to beat Will Chamberlain and know all the ego aside, I probably did by the time I was 24. Yeah. And then you get into the emptiness of that. It becomes the same as heroin and cocaine. Is that real? You, yeah, it's very real. You get to the very, bo- like- oh no, you're the one that's giving a little bit of your soul. You're the one that's losing. You're the one that's spreading your fucking chi all over the place. You lose. Girls don't lose. You lose. It's a big loss. Really? Emotionally, psychologically, yeah. God, there's some kind I'm of- I'm much more into like, I just went through a six year bro up and wanted to fucking jump off a building because it was real. It existed where I didn't have affairs, I didn't cheat, nothing yeah. like that. And the pain was real, you know? Yeah. Just going to f- sport fuck uh, isn't an interest. I molested my rights out there, let's say that. Man. You know what I mean? Right. Sure, Steve- you get the twinkle. It's like uh, you look at like something you shouldn't eat or shouldn't do and you're like, you know, oh, that looks interesting and then you're like, but you know what happens. Right. Right? Next thing you know, you're in it and you don't even know you're in it and you got numbers and you're like it's a lot of fucking energy one of my my close friends is still like a sex addict right and just looking at his text messages he could have built like IBM right instead right. of had his sex right. life he, he could be wrote a war and peace. fucking trillionaire right. versus <clears throat> texting a 20 year old what she doesn't know about music it's pathetic right. Right. Do you know what I mean? Steve, what do you... Now, what's And your, what do you say? What's the legacy? This is so-and-so. Fucked a lot of girls. Next. You know, like, what's the, the leave behind? I mean, Locker I, room talk, as they say, whatever. No, right, right. Like, like, no, no. Okay, okay. All right. And I'll be real with you. I've had... Now, listen. I'm, I'm twice married. Sure. Okay, twice married. Yeah. All right. And when... In between my marriages, right? Yeah. I was like, okay, I need to go crazy. Like, I need to go... Like, I don't care. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Merchant Marine, Mud Flats, I don't care wherever it's coming. I'm going to hit it all. Yeah. Things that I only kind of like, ab- it's place, like abstract women thoughts where I was like, what would that be like? And then I got there and I was like, well, this is why I don't want to be here. Yeah. Now I know. That kind of shit. Right, Sean? Right? Yeah. You saw some of the women, right? <laughs> Yeah. He was like, there was one that was big enough that could carry me. Like, it just <laughs> for sure. That's a true story. That's a true story. But, but... As you're saying all of that, and I also found out that I'm just not that guy. I'm never going to, not because I can't do it. It's just, I'm not a guy that can juggle lots of different, because I don't care at a mm-hmm. certain point. Like, mm-hmm. it's too much energy. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. It's and, beyond, yeah. Right, okay. Yet, even that, there's still an excitement to an unknown like that when you when you see strange yeah yeah well that's like getting into the bottom of objectification right and when you could solve your objectification with a fucking good therapist you start getting free I think it's like you know of course you look at some girl's ankle in an anklet and you start fucking building buildings and spaceships leg leg jewelry the whole thing and you're just like oh man you know but it's it's, they're not items they're people you know (laughs) as soon as they turn off the caveman so Sociopath, you start knowing. Oh, I'm objectifying <laughs> some bullshit. Yeah, but hold which on is a like, second. You know, I was talking right there, to my no. other friend, who's a director, mm-hmm. uh, Darren, mm-hmm. and we were talking about how one of the greatest pleasures in life is orgasming. 
Mm-hmm. Like that's just maybe you know, it's a pleasure for a reason or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And so then trying to prolong that or investigate the different different versions of the orgasm. We were talking about the quality, the levels. There's the short ones, the long ones, the <laughs> slow rolling ones, yeah. like all that stuff, yeah. right? So part of me also thinks like, yeah, there's an objectification part of it. Yeah. That's for sure. But then there's also an experiential part of it, which is... How, you know, the same thing that you would feel on a on a trip, like mm-hmm. like it's objectifying to say like, well, I went to India and I loved what they did there, and yeah. I loved their hair and all the other stuff. There's an objectification aspect to traveling, sure, right? And yet, it also there's an experiential aspect to traveling, which you can't get from reading a book, mm-hmm. you can't get from hearing somebody else's story. And so, do you feel that sex? Is also that yes, and also I think that it, it's it's shifted into creating. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm into legacy play, like where it's like what I'm leaving behind and what I'm working on now right. is fulfilling. Right, I'm making sure that like I'm putting all that energy and all that focus into the pieces, whether it be a docu series or a piece of art at the house. Right. I'm putting that and focusing it there, and when I have good days in that. Right. When I look back and I don't hate it, which is like I hate everything I do 10 minutes after I do it. When I have that one moment uh, with myself, it's much more satisfying when, than like coming on some chick's back that's really hot. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And then let me ask you this. So, How's the PC levels of the show? Like, are we all going to perfect. jail from here? No. Nah. Are you kidding me? I'm, just, trying to get, I'm trying to get to your spot. Uh, oh, listen. Brian Stevens has told some dudes on this show. Again. What was our worst PC show, do you think, Steve? Like, what was one of the ones that was the craziest? Anyone to, uh, circa 2000. Hey, I, dude, I've had <laughs> some guests actually contact me after. I'm not going to say Of course, who. and edit, 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 no, edit. No, no, they didn't. They asked me. They're like, do you think that that was a little over the top? And I'm like, nah. No, it's fine. Don't even worry about it. Over the top was Baby Ray and that idiot. Oh, Puck. 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 We have Puck from From like the reality show. He was out of his gourd. Wow. All right. His eyeballs were like pinballs. He was then, too. He was was like twice that. What show is this? Listen. Baby Ray. Baby Ray. And that guy in Puck. He talked about smashing 60-year-old. He's, yeah. yeah, he Puck talked about smashing six-year-old women, and I'm like, what's so different about that? He said, well, the vagina caves in weird. Oh, my God. And that was probably the heart. Look at, Steve Puck. still gets blue. He doesn't even want me to repeat that. Hey, well, listen, bro. He, he said a couple things, but the guys, <laughs> one of these guys that he just says shit for shock value. Right. Like one uh, thing after another, after yeah, another, yeah, yeah. another, and he's not even making sense. No. He's just trying to get somebody to fucking He's looking for like clickbait, they call yeah, it. Dude, like, Catch. Yeah, dude. Catch. I'm into this Chappelle thing where it's just like, you gotta you gotta speak or, right. or just die. Did you see his last- I've been watching everything with him. I've last... been on a tear with him for some reason. Even I've... though I've seen it, I've watched it again because when he speaks about the freedoms and talking about things, right. he's amazing. The... He's becoming- Richard Pryor 2020 is For what sure. he is. For sure. The rest and aren't even close. The rest aren't me. really talking about any issues. No. Right? I feel bad. I think that Eddie Murphy's probably at home traumatized about his, because uh, <laughs> they're going to give him a trillion dollars to come to a special. Right. And uh, he was like two trillion. No. But right. uh, 
I think he's probably freaked out because I've never seen someone kind of go away and come back as hard as David has. He's come yeah. back harder. Well, but but Eddie's journey is different because you know Eddie was kind of an edgy. Eddie's guy. like I'm the only black dude in the world. SNL, where the ego is coming from. He's like I am the guy that knew Rick James. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And he did <laughs> well. But and Dave Chappelle had his brother Charlie Murphy on the show. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is Eddie then went into a family zone for like a decade. It's called just being rich and Dr. out of touch. Dr. Doolittle 12. It's what's happening to uh, You Want a Jay-Z for a Theme Song. It's the same thing. They don't right. know what it looks like outside anymore. They don't know what the grass smells like. Right. It's like you go off in a little capsule. Right. And you're like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and I saw the last special that Chappelle did, which I, I wouldn't even say it's necessarily a comedy show where, mm-hmm. you know, once these riots he broke He talked out, about it, yeah. He talked about it. Yeah. And I couldn't think of anybody more that I wanted to hear. Here's point Beyond, of view. and thank God he did, because I'm sure he was, you know, questionable about it. The best was this one guy came up to me, this white dude in Malibu. He goes, "Hey, uh, dude, that was the funniest special I ever saw." I'm like, "Which one?" He's like, "The one where Chappelle talks about the thing." I'm like, right. "What?" He's like, "That was the fucking dope, is funny." I was like, "I don't think it was that much comedy in it." Right, right. <laughs> but this dude thought it was the most hilarious. Sure, yeah. like, right, that's mental. It right? is mental. <laughs> I, so, so since we're in this zone. Um, we're in a situation right now. I mean, you know, we've all been on the on, in the United States for a minute. Yeah. Have you seen anything like this before? Never ever. Twenty twenty's been uh, new rules every morning. Right. And I don't know. Like one day it's loud, one day it's quiet. You know, and uh, you know, the other night it was getting these text messages going that get ready because on the Fourth of July, the reason they've been setting off the fireworks mm. is there's sixty thousand people with AKs and they're gonna kill all the whites tonight in your neighborhood That's so and you're crazy. like what are they what, who, who's what they're like yeah 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 get ready right. and you're like dude right. you know I think you're watching CNN too much I think you should come yeah, 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 that sounds more yeah. like QAnon that shit's next level I mean I've never seen anything like it it's like the only thing missing is like an 8.9 earthquake this right. year well, well yeah you know, that's yeah. probably scheduled for tomorrow yeah. yeah the thing that's crazy about what's going on is so <clears throat> oh we're due I read, like, I, at the time when it came out, I didn't read it because it just sounded too positive and hopeful, and it was Michelle Obama's Becoming, right? Like, I, I see the book come out, and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I love Michelle. Oh, who doesn't, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But do I really want to read like Oprah's next? Right, do I right. fucking top of the bed? It's Becoming. It's so full of hope. And yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know if I want to read it. So then, like, this last year, and probably in the last three months, I'm like, fuck it. It's pop culture, and it's an important person. Yeah. I should just read her thing. So I read through it, and I'm just fucking blown away by being remembering what it was like to have a president and a, and a first lady like the Obamas. Mm-hmm. How much class, mm-hmm. how much depth, yeah. how much articulation, mm-hmm. how even at that time they were struggling with these school shootings. Sure. Right? Like the, and, and when you talk about this stuff now... There's been such a fucking domino fucking shitfall of calamities that when you say school shootings, it almost doesn't have the no. extreme impact that it yeah. used to. Yeah, now the zeitgeist is like, is it like Vegas? Right. Like, not enough people. Right. You know, let me focus on the next one. <laughs> right. <laughs> I yeah. Think, I think that, you know, and I was like looking back at it and I'm like, I think we're entering an era now where uh, the surface shit's just not going to cut it anymore. Mm. Like we thought, we thought nine eleven was that. Remember when Kevin Spacey came out and was like, "I'm not doing anything superficial ever again," and everyone got serious <laughs> for like three months. Yeah, 
But I, I'm looking at it and I'm like, when are we going to end this racism thing for real? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. When are we going to change the system so that um, working people or <laughs> or whatever can actually afford a home and be comfortable and do whatever they're going to do to contribute to society? Sure. When are we going to have an education system that's really interested in making children like next level? It's so far from that. I was with some kids last night at a 20-year-old's birthday, and just like we played Scattergory, and it was just fascinating to watch the struggles with the simplest words. Right. It's just kind of like somewhere between a video game and an Instagram feed and like... My buddy used to say, if you kick someone's head open, I bet you just cream of wheat with a few chunks comes out. That's right. what's the vibe of the new education system. Right. Do you know what I mean? Whoa. Right. It's, it's oh, God damn. <laughs> it's up. pretty hard, though, like to see that these kids, my, my, my friends that are, are fathers are watching it on Zoom. They're like walking around their living room and the lady's like, honey, did you hear me? And he's like, on the 80th time, I leaned in and told the teacher, yeah, we all fucking hear you and you're not teaching them anything and right. just shuts the computer off. Off. And he goes, what have I been paying for for all these years? Right. These are the lessons. You know, it's really giving parents a good view of what the teachers are doing because yeah. they're walking yeah. around listening to yeah. it. And, right. And, and, you know, they're and they're doing a lot of schools are doing away with cursive writing. Right. Have you seen that? Yeah. yeah but they're not teaching them how to write, even write anymore. That's heavy. Yeah, that's crazy. That's cra- they're, yeah, they're not going. They're going to give them tablets and shit. Not use pens. Yeah. yeah well, this pencils. is this is what I'll say. I think that's fucked up. This is what yeah, I'll I say. Agree. This is what I'll say. Democracy in Chains by McKean, great book, and it details the privatization of all these government functions that's been going on for the last 50 years. Right. One of which is public education, right? Mm. So there's a certain contingency inside the United States that is actually trying to make public education bad. Mm -hmm. And the reason being is so that... uh, all of the Brown v. Board versus education, all of the integration, all that stuff that's, that's normally part of things is being pushed out. And if you have a private school, you don't have to do any of that stuff. Right. Right? And so the parents, the kids, and even the teachers, right, and even the system, I don't really fault them in the sense of if they had more resources, they could do more. Mm-hmm. But people have been told, like, uh, you don't want to pay taxes, Right. And and nobody wants to give up what they have. Mm -hmm. But in order to have a society that's going to move into the 21st century. Mm. Right. You have to put your money where your mouth is. Right. You have to decide, like, look, I do care about having next level policing. I, sure. We don't need 1,800, like, we don't need cops that are going to go by racial pro or killing people or what. We don't need that. Right. It's a waste of time and energy. Right. Like, in order to be effective, we need another level. What it is, we need to sit down and hash that out. It's fascinating because, I mean, automation, that's right. going to get rid of all the zombies that they're creating with bad education. What do you so. think is the next, okay, all right, let's talk about it. <laughs> where do you think we're going with automation? When, when as job- much as you can get away with, where everybody doesn't want to pay anyone for anything, ever. Everything's free, free economy. So then how do you have a consumerist economy, economy with that in place? So, so, so really, really rich people have legacy money. Sure. Then you got this middle group that's shrinking, and they got to earn it. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you're a 200000 a year kind of person. And they're the biggest posers. They're the ones that are leasing three Teslas and all the shit they can't afford. They're the victims. They're the ones that are buying the Birkin bag where the right. rich people are like, fucking going to Zara. Right. I like liquid. Right. I don't have anything on the street. I want f- trips. Right. The other, it's like the lower class that's always trying to pose. Right. So And, and ponce. When they can't pose in ponce yeah. because there's automation. Mm-hmm. What, what is your thought on it's how gonna we- look like fucking Abbot Kinney right now with that like that have you seen the homeless tents they even got their yeah. own police patrol yeah, I went yeah. down there the other night and there was like 70 you have their own police patrol, there was right? like 70 uh, t- uh, tents down there with its own patrol and the, we were driving through with our little COVID mask on the second week of COVID right. and uh, this girl's like oh my god I go no one here is gonna have fucking COVID and they're looking at us like we're idiots they've right. been exposed to the real elements you know what right. I mean right it's just, it's getting real. It's getting crazy. Yeah. Over by the Veterans Center, too. Have you seen that? Over uh, by Westwood, yeah. there's all those yeah. tents with American flags. I just got done saying I was like earlier. really sick in my stomach going, so you serve the country and then you get to go to yeah. fucking a tent with a flag on it? Well, That's bullshit. We were just saying, uh, we were just mentioning earlier today that I don't think that, or I don't believe that we have even begun to see, and we won't for the next year and a half, two years, begin to see the <clears throat> what our economy is really going to feel like. Yeah, you know the repercussions, the, the repercussions of the moment. Of it, right. Yeah. Of all these jobs lost and gone forever. Gone and forever. That's no a silent work. thing that no one's talking about. It's gone forever. Ever. Right. It's like, you know. Right. And you have millions <laughs> upon millions and millions of people that... Once this thing's wrapped up, they won't ha- there will be no job for them. Correct. No. There's no work for that them. That was coming anyway without... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Without right. the administration, without what's going on, that's, that's coming. Yeah. Right. How right. many people yeah. do you know that are just not paying for shit? You know, Here, that's what I don't understand. All this money they keep in, infusing into this economy. Where's it coming from? It's coming from taxes. But I mean, it's it's got. It's end. also it's a printing machine. Yeah, it's a gets, printing machine. You just go Bitcoins, print more. These coins, these, these coins are worth billions of dollars. Or coins for trillion dollars. Have you seen that? <laughs> well, they, no, they, it's like Live and Die Steven, LA. Yeah, Steve, uh, Shoeless uh, Brian Stevens <laughs> you remember, on Bitcoin. You remember Live and Die in LA where the guy yeah. goes, yeah, I'll just go print some more of that yeah. shit. Yeah. Right. That's exactly what's yeah. going That's on. That's what they're doing. I mean, yeah. how much Well, every much waiter and waitress is like, I'm not coming back to work. I'm working on my music. I'm making more from Gavin Newsom. You right. know what yeah, I mean? It's, it's Why would I go yeah. back to waiting tables? Right. Well, if you remember, the jobs, I mean, the, the vast majority of jobs that were available pre COVID were driving trucks for Amazon, mm-hmm. which is still going on. Which okay. Is okay, that's a big, that's a big not to undo. Right, you had uh, this so yeah, everyone had side hustles, and they tried to couch it like oh, I'm just, but really, you had a side hustle because your main hustle wasn't paying you enough to live. Right, yeah, it wasn't that you no, were an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. it's that you had to work 18 hours to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. 
And a lot of it was customer service jobs where you're just on the phone or whatever dealing with customers in that, in that interface or whatever. And, and, and they're saying like minimum wage is 15 bucks an hour and that's a good thing. But reality, you can't get by on 15 no. bucks an hour. No. You got to have a side hustle. You have to have a like for I have a friend in San Francisco that I, I'm in touch with all the time. He does, he's ride shares. He does uh, Lyft. And yeah. he's making so much money that he doesn't even want another job. Right. That's all he does. Yeah. He goes right. out a few hours a day. Some people do all the places. They're like, all I'm doing Postmates on Lyft right. and an Amazon box. The cars right. full up with all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. I have, <laughs> I have a couple. I haven't been doing them, but I have a, a, a DoorDash and Lyft. A Lyft I've done for three years. That's yeah. Cool. And there's so much money in it now where it didn't well, used to tell be. The tr- tell the truth. Can you make money on Lyft? Absolutely, you can. Because I've heard. I've, I've heard I've, mixed, too. I've heard mixed. Well, I, I, I thought so, too. They used to break it down to where you make it like $15 an hour. But if you get out there and you grind all day, seven days a week, you can make 40, 50 bucks an hour. What as long as you don't become Travis Bickle and taxi driver. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Possibly, now, you, now they're making you keep the windows open. you got to wear a mask. Nobody can be in the front seat. So they, they've changed, <laughs> it's changed a little bit. But That's, you have to work seven days a week. Here's how I look at it. If you want to work, let's say you have a goal. Go ahead. Let's say I want to make 10 grand, which you can do in a month. Okay. Is... It's true. You absolutely can. But if really? you do it for seven days a week, all day long, yeah, for for thirty days, you can make that kind of money, dude. If you did, but you any- can't do that for your personal life's gone, if right? You, that's all you. But if you're doing it for a goal that you're trying to make twenty grand or 30, to, to buy a house, down payment, you can do that. Twenty grand on a down no, payment I'm saying, on a house, but you, but you can do it, <laughs> right? If you have a goal. But that's what I'm saying. The shit's priced out, where it's like you could make some crazy scratch. Or not even crazy, just decent scratch, yeah. really, right? Yeah. But you got to work seven days a fucking week all the time at it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You have to have a goal. Let's say you want to make 50 grand. You Go gotta, ahead. You're going to sacrifice everything else in your life. Right. But you're going to get to that point. Right. And then you back off and do what you're going to do. But you, like you said, you can, people that are That does going, not sound like a recipe for getting wealthy. <laughs> no, it's not getting wealthy, but it gets you comfortable where you want to be. Yeah. If you want to buy a house, for example, and you need a down payment at a certain level, mm. you can get there mm. doing lift. Mm. Mm. It's great, but it's but you, you got to sacrifice everything else in your life to do but it. It used to be that you would sacrifice everything in your life, and you became like the head of a company. Mm. It yeah. used to be like you sacrificed everything in your life, and you were like one of the top paid attorneys. Mm. It used to be you sacrificed everything in your <laughs> life, right? And you're an entrepreneur, and you invented post its. And now you sacrifice everything in oh, your I life, and you're like, and you're fucking working two shifts at fucking Taco Bell, right? Yeah, you're burning out your car. Yeah. Also, yeah. you got. I mean, to point the finger somewhere else too. It's also you got the laziest motherfuckers you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. That yeah. expect to make, yeah. to expect to just come out That's of true. come out of college and be like. Where's my Uber? Right. I right, need right. to make an Uber. Right. I'm not going to do anything normal. Right. I'm There's gonna... a lot of entitlement. Yeah. When I run my internship program, everyone wants uh, to just like get on the plane, meet the celebrity, and peace out. Right. They're not there to work. Right. They're just like, give me what you got this afternoon, and then I'll tell you what else I want. I'm like, you got that wrong headspace. <laughs> right. <laughs> you got the wrong headspace. That's true. You know what? I've had plenty of legal assistants that are like that. Yeah. They come out and they think like it's going to be suits, and they got it. Yeah. And I'm like, no. First, First, you, if I see you put the wrong date on this fucking form one more time, yeah. you're fucking out. Like, until you can get a date correct, you ain't yeah. doing the next thing, which that is to go get That was a good date my... for them. That's when their Adderall was on time right. and everything was around. <laughs> but it's because they don't have it. The, uh, some people don't have any respect for how hard it is to get the details right. Correct. It, like, it, it's not easy. Yeah. It, and it requires some focus and it requires some commitment. Yeah. 
And then if you shoot, show a little bit of that, then maybe you can build up for the next thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm there's not a lot of that. It's yeah, a lot no, of like there's, there's a lot of entitlement. Yeah, yeah there there's is. not, bro. I, I see. I, I came from a generation like I, I was working. I, I was taught to work. Yeah. And, and when I was in San Francisco, that I worked a full time job and I did lift on the side. And I lived comfortable in San Francisco doing that. Most expensive city in the world. Right. Yeah. But you have to have two and three hustles up there to live. Right. You have, don't have a choice. Right. Yeah. Right. I tell you, I I agree with with Patrick, man. That there's just not a lot of that, man. Like, there's there's just I deal with a lot of young people, man, and it's scary and it's fucked up and and just too much. I don't know, like. Too much time inside. Yeah. Too much time on these computers and iPhones and like, and it's like m- fucked up. Like kids don't have like a real sense of reality, <clears throat> and they think they know some shit because they Google some shit. Uh, don't even give me time. And uh, they're taking, lazy. Taking, they're lazy as fuck. Taking pride in doing something right, showing up on time. Like these values seem to be. It's crazy, man. So well, it's not on the Instagram feed, and it's not their third-person avatar, so it right. doesn't exist. Right. Anything good behind the avatar didn't happen. I also blame you movies. Know? I'll blame movies, too, because... Because they're so bad right now. Yeah. <laughs> but not just that. Even the good ones. Like you, you go to a movie, and you sit down, and it's like a two-hour deal, if you're lucky these days. And then the thing is, is you got to tell the entire life in the span of time, right? So it's condensed. So, when you go to the movie and you watch Rocky, like, like that's a great film, right, Rocky, right? What the fuck's the matter? All right, you go watch Rocky. You sit right. down and you watch it. And you watch him and he's having his little trouble and then the light goes off, right? Mm-hmm. Then he works out and that workout montage is like maybe two minutes long. But he's right? ripped. And he's ripped <laughs> yeah. and he's ready to fight and then right. it's all coming together and it only took about an hour and a half. Right. So when you watch a million things formulated like that, it's real hard for a young person, including myself at one point in time, to realize like, no, no, you got to keep doing it Tuesday, Wednesday, and it's going to look worse, and it's going to take a lot longer, Yeah. and you're not going to see the positive signs that you saw in Rocky, right? You're not going to see Mickey come out and be like, you're going to do it. That's not going to happen <laughs> until you're almost certain that it's never going to happen, happen. Right. and you're still doing it, and then maybe right. you will advance. Right. And then somebody will just see you at where you're at and think like, oh, that was an easy one, right? Oh, Patrick, I mean, you're an artist. Obviously, it was going to happen yeah, for you. Yeah, just snapped my finger right. and there I, I was. mean, you're just that kind of guy. You're yeah. fucking Dutch fucking <laughs> Filipino pussy and you're fucking running around <laughs> and heroin smacking Clive Davis in the face. Of course, it was going to happen for you. <laughs> this is how it's going to be. Right. right. Yeah, everyone looks at that. Just give me some of what you got. I mean, what yeah. the hell? It was so yeah. easy for you. Why are you making it hard for me? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you're like, dude, you're an intern. You know what? I blame the movie The Intern. Because Robert De Niro was that old intern, and he was like the per- he wasn't making any money, and he was like the perfect guy. Did everything for that Gen Z, whatever that lady, the the actress's name is, yeah. And you know, basically her invisible father. So you know, as an intern, you think like you know, uh, these people think that there's somebody that's going to show up and fix all the things for you. When in reality, no one's going to show up and rescue you except you. Yeah, if you're willing to listen. True. <laughs> Patrick, these guys were asking me some questions about, you know, what kind of photos has he done? Who's he shot? And I was like, man, you know, <laughs> I, and I don't want you to have to feel like you have to do a bunch of bragging, but I need you to throw some, I need you to throw out some, let them know some people, some brands, some things you've shot. 
But I so just want to get uh, an idea. I, we I, didn't ask it like that. We no, I work yeah, with what like, the fuck is he doing? I work with a lot of uh, uh, actors and musicians and yeah. uh, a lot of advertising brands. You know, lately I've been doing a lot with L'Oreal Paris, which is interesting makeup brand. Right. Um, just I've shot a, almost all the the, the figures. And let, 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 who are the figures? Let's just I don't know cut who, the shit. You know, Let's just cut the shit. Who, who do you care drop about? some names. That's a name drop. Yeah, no, I'm always traumatized because whenever you say a name, my buddy always goes, look, you dropped this and hands it to you. Yeah, and you took it up and go, great, because that's what I can do, motherfucker. Sorry. Um, that you guys would probably respond with is like t- uh, Trejo, of course. Of course. Uh, Clint Eastwood. All right. People like that. Beyonce, you know. Yeah, all Clint the, Eastwood. Yeah. What's he just, like? Is he cool? Like, is he's he- the coolest. He came, uh, he came on set alone in a car that Mercedes just gave him. They gave him a brand new spaceship. Yeah. And because, you know, Truthfully, he drives a, uh, I think it's like an 84 Buick, like one that you would never want. Right, of course That's he does. in mint condition right, in his yard. Yeah, right. It's like a $1,500 car. Right. And that's his main car. But he's like, right. oh, they just gave me this, like, you know, one of those, like, you know, $300,000 ones. He yeah. goes, that shit's fast. <laughs> you know? He talks, what happens around him is he talks so low. Right. He talks so silently that the rooms get quiet, which creates its own mystique. Right. So it's not that he's, he's a yeller or a, or a or a fearful or you're not scared of him because he's nice but he's the guy that uh, whenever he would change shirts and shit he would do it right there on camera Um, he didn't need stylists he didn't need wranglers he didn't help Cruz was like that I worked with Tom Cruise he also uh, comes in a a Ford Taurus Uh, changes his own shit, does right. his own shit, doesn't have an entourage. Right. I think those guys get to a place where the bigger you get, uh, the lighter it is. The smaller you are, if you're some kid that's just got a CW show, you got 80 handlers and some animals and stuff. Yeah. If you're it Tom Cruise... It gives you a feeling of protection or weight you, Well, or you start looking when you're smarter, you start looking at your line sheet and going, wait, I spent 200,000 bucks <laughs> in August for these people to tell me who I am. Right. Those guys are way past. That shit died back in like the 980s or right. something where they're like, I don't need these line items. I'm going to go alone. I know how to drive. I know what a map is. Right. I'll be at the studio on time. But I've always found that the bigger the star, the lower the maintenance, the smaller the acting as if. Right. Right? It's very reverse engineered. That That's way. interesting. Wow. That falls in line with uh, what some of the great Buddhist masters say. Well, so, And they also, the, 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 the biggest stars uh, or the biggest uh, people, they do a lot of due diligence. They looked at my site. They looked at my history. They saw my weakness and my strengths. So they're coming there to play like a really good game of pool. They're not going to expect the game of pool to be good unless they're participating at their best level. Right. The other people are like, yo, I'm here. Let's do this. Right. And they're like, that's scary, bro. Like, it's a two-person world. I'm only as good as you are. Right. I can only reflect what you're giving. Right. Right? Right. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. How how do you get to the point where they're, they're... you're, you're, they're choosing you sure. to work with them. I mean, how, how it's does, just time and and proven and t- it just a lot of time. Uh, I got but how a lot, does Tom Cruise get your name? I mean, for example, how do you get to work uh, by Tom shooting uh, thousands of people that maybe he respected or okay. liked in, in in the business of actors and stuff like that? Yeah, it's just like they tell two friends and they tell two friends and they tell. And I mean, it's not like you apply for the job. No, right? most of my whole career, in a weird way, has been referral. It's been referral. Like once I shot my first big actress, she told three actresses that I don't know. Once right. I 
shot Beyonce. She told right. a bunch of people. Oh, wow. Once I shot like Lana Del Rey, she told these new musicians that want to be her. Um, and it kind of goes like that, you know. So yeah. you have too much work then, probably. Well, I've pro. I've been really selective, and I've uh, pretty much cut out. Like I used to do 350 days a year on set. Now I'm trying to do 15 and wow. create uh, projects that I'm proud of and Look happy. With. That's amazing. Brian's amazing eyes story, just spun dude. in his head. Yeah. That's a lucky. He's sitting here like uh, Brian's like I'm driving Lyft 18 <laughs> hours a day yeah, trying no. to get I can't 10 grand. No, no, it's not really do you, like that. Do you it's fill not, out an application not, or do you? How do you do it? It's uh, not that I don't have to grind and all. That. It's just that it's like I'm I'm doing that whole legacy. Like what am I getting and putting in? What am I leaving behind? I want to work on shit that I'm leaving behind that I'm proud of. Um, I don't want to just get on the track. And kind of like when I look, because I have the reflection of a guy that did something for a long time. And you look at it, like with music video, I was trying to be the king of it. And you learn that it's fleeting and it doesn't exist. You walk in a room and you're like, I did this, this, this. And everyone's like, I don't even know what that is. And it's the same when you're shooting like a a Brad Pitt. You're like, you ask the kid, you go, hey, who's Robert Redford? They're like, no fucking idea. And you're like, well, that's who Brad Pitt is. And it's just going to keep going. You can say Clint Eastwood, they'll be like, I don't know what that is. Right. You know, I know Billie Eilish. Is that who it is? And you're like, that's, I could do that too tomorrow, but it's gone. It just keeps, it's almost like, uh, somewhat of shooting entertainment could be thought of as like the timeline on Instagram. So if we post this show, it's 12.55. We post it now. At uh, three o'clock, it won't exist. Never happened. Right. And that's how the whole, you know, so it's like you better do what you think you want to do because it's all just fleeting away, right? You, are you catching that, Brian? Uh, I am. Are I you? Because I'm watching you still it's trying not to calculate like the dollars. Cocky, no, no, I got dough. I don't need it. No, 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 it ain't like that. No, no, no. First of all, no, I'm fascinated by, I'm, I just don't do with how much money he made. I don't even think about that. Yeah. I mean, that's, oh, you that's don't? A, that's, a, well, that's a given. I mean, okay. he's working with people all like right. these. He's obviously right. being paid for it. I've lost as much as I've made. You know, I've been home. I'm just, many I'm a time. The way he tells his story, how you know, extremely intelligent, and it just the way he tells. It, I, I was. Fa- how do you meet these people? But it's well, just but like it, you it, when you, you could say when you're in the yard or however you speak about it. How did you meet your crew that protected you? How did you? Everyone right, right. like you find your niches and you stay and you just didn't. That's it. But the you yard's know? very small, so it's... Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you could say Hollywood. You could say Hollywood if you're, like, back to the right. Buddhist master. Yeah. When you're standing at Malibu, that Hollywood doesn't even encompass one grain of sand right. at the beach. Right. Yeah, I live in Hollywood, actually. mind-bending. So. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Right. Like, all that shit. Like, you know, I've hung out with people that are like, I don't give a fuck about any of that. It doesn't right. exist, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I want what he has. Like, what do you mean? Like, no. <laughs> so, 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 Brian, the thing that I'm taking from what uh, Patrick is saying is that he has been at a craft and a, and a thing for so long and he's thought about it so deeply he's had all of the experiences that he just described and that has given him a perspective and an experience to look back and say it's not about that for me now what is it about for me what do I really care about and you might be able to squeeze more power into 15 things than trying to do 100 Because it requires so much energy to do something right. The Chinese have a saying that says, if you can focus your mind on something for six minutes, solely on that thing, you will control the world. (laughs) If you can really focus. And what I take from what you said is that after the bottom Mm -hmm. and then slowly building up, at Mm -hmm. some point you've been able to find a focus Mm -hmm. where you've really put a lot of energy into 
What is it that you're making? What are you creating? Right. Right. And you, I've learned of like, I like people. Right. The bottom line, you cut all the shit. It's like, doesn't matter if I have a motion camera, a still camera, or I'm writing an article, yeah. or there's video cam. It's like, do I like the person? Right. Am I getting, are we communicating something together? Right. Because it's not about just like, you know, just flippantly running through life. It's to me, it's like, like L'Oreal Paris. So I was wondering what the, what that would be besides good dough. Right. And what it is now to watch Viola Davis, who yeah. I've watched at a distance for a long time. I was like, she's cool. Yeah. Something about her. And then, Getting to know her better through these jobs, uh, you learn that she's into the power of word. So her her she got a full scholarship to uh, what's it called Juilliard, yeah. like a free free ride. And the guy said you could be really good physically and all this emotion, but why don't you just learn words? So her teacher was like, let's just learn how to uh, enunciate, drop, and rise with word. So if you start learning that about her, that's right. where her power is, is in word. But everyone's like, she's one of the best actresses in the world. Right. But she's just focused on the word. Right. She doesn't even focus on the other Can you shit. Give us a to learn shit like that always makes it more interesting to go to work. Right. Like if I'm trying to be Jaden, and like I fucking shot all these people fucking. But somebody, everyone has something. Right. And hers was that. And I was blown away that like her whole life is based on word. Right. It's not based on all this shit. She's fallen into the biggest career you've ever seen, but she was just looking at a word on a page. Right. It's pretty heavy. That is heavy. Yeah. So that those so, miracles come. So also, those miracles come, but they come because you focused, and then when you start getting into higher levels of execution, mm. right, mm. you meet other people that are executing at higher levels. And Luckily, so, yeah. And you, yeah. Start, you also then are able to see some skills that you can employ yourself if you're if you're working with other elite forces yeah and you see somebody that's got some interesting take on a word mm -hmm. or an interesting take on how to schedule your day or to think about i always go back to eric thomas mm -hmm. the uh, the motivational speaker guy because he was saying that he he's from detroit and broke pastor from detroit right and he eventually gets into a room with warren buffett best urban black motivational mm -hmm. speaker right that's what he's known for he's not Tony Robbins he's what and he eventually surpasses Tony Robbins but he gets in a room with Warren Buffett and he said there was a couple of things that blew his fucking mind he said he was in a room with all these other wealthy businessmen a select few he wasn't sure why he was selected to be there he was there and all these businessmen who were big shots were like bowing down to Warren Buffett. Like he was their big shot. Mm. The fourth richest man in the world. Right? And he said Warren came in and was wearing a JCPenney suit. Of course, yeah. And he's like, and it <laughs> dawned on him. He's like, of course, fourth richest man in the world. He doesn't need to show anybody. I met Bill Gates. He had fucking Dockers and those Velcro Savon shoes on. Right. And he yeah. had him. He had his doctors up over the yeah. <laughs> over his belly button. Right. Shit. You're like like his dad used to. Yeah. And, he, and he and he asked Warren Buffett. He's like, just tell me, like, what is your day? And Warren Buffett told him, you know what? I read six hours before my day begins. Wow. <laughs> and he's like, you read six hours. Like, there's only 24 hours in a day. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you reading? And and Warren Buffett said, I'm reading profit and loss statements from GM from 1967. He's an extreme motherfucker. Wow. 
At and a certain point, you're like, yo, you need to go on a fucking cruise yeah, and give your kids some money so they stop talking shit about it's you. What this guy, it's what this guy <laughs> wants to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But what, what Eric takes away from that is that what's your thing? And are you willing to put six hours of intense learning about it before your day even begins? Mm-hmm. Anyone can do that. Yeah. You really can. That's attention span. That's hard. Meditation, like doing 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes a night, can right. be very challenging. Right. But it kept me sober for a long time. Right. You know? So what was it that caused you to reach out for help at your lowest point? It was the presentation of kind of like back to the kid in the room making the face when you thought you did a good pitch. And people start sliding you and they start looking at you like, eh, it's just a fucking drug addict. And uh, you get to the point where you're like, I want my life more than I want to be just a, a mainstream gimmick. Mm-hmm. I think it was ego at first. It was like, I want to fucking be profound. I don't want to be another number. I don't want a number on my back. Right. You know, and you couldn't be a high level, high functioning. I couldn't. Right. Be both. Right. I was all in here and I decided to just kind of flip it. And that's help. Help came the wrong way. It was like more like I want to stack paper and rule the world. So, you know, it was a little kid angry. Right. And And that's how it goes. How do you ask for help? How does help come? Um, everyone knew for many years that I was like, you know, I wasn't fooling anyone. I was like green, 135 pounds and like had blood running down my arms and I'd be like, you know, I cut myself on a fence or whatever. (laughs) So, I mean, it was, the gig was up for a long time, but, uh, for me it took a long, long, long time. It was series of ODs and series of events running from neighborhoods that weren't chasing me. Um, very, very small times in jail, very fucking small, like, you know, 72 hours was maybe the longest I was in county yeah. you know just uh, that shit was just like it kept happening and ha- all the good times had gone and it had gone just fucking completely dark and who do you trust to, that says to you this is your path out um, I didn't trust anyone but I knew that I needed something and my sister happened to be dating a doctor that was like there's a locked unit in Tuscan Tuscany or Tuscan uh, Orange County he's like there's a locked room there and that's where he should be you know what I mean and that's how it started the 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 you know and thank God I got put in a locked room instead of something like a liberal rehab. It would have never helped. Right, not one of I these Malibu like, sober I was livings. at like 900 a day. So even at the locked room, I was trying to talk to my codependent <laughs> girlfriend at the time and like getting drugs in there. Because you're sick. You're fucked up. And you so know? when you, um, so you're on your way to Tustin. Yeah. Locked room. Yeah. And at what point on the trip do you go, what the fuck did I just Not do? Not a lot, because I, I was smart enough to get like 1500 in heroin before we made the deal. Right. So I was, you know, going through the whole thing all the way to the final lot. Like, is this it? I just got to <laughs> go to the bathroom. And everyone rolled their eyes. You're like, I got one more like, goodbye. We're going in. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then I knew that I was fucked because uh, they gave me these phone calls and... Uh, the uh there was this really hot nurse and she would watch me like shower and i was like oh she kind of probably likes me it wasn't that at all it was that this girl could fuck anyone up like beat the fuck out of anyone but she happened to be attractive and i (laughs) called the girlfriend i was like listen i'm doing my part i'm in rehab now i need you to go see this you know ranchero yeah on fucking van owen who's gonna bring you the thing right and then uh the nurse would come around the corner she's like how are you doing i'm like amazing i get it like I'm happy to be here and she'd be like then why are you asking your girlfriend to cop 
And I was like, oh, we're fucked. Not only were we in a locked unit, the most sick codependent chick in my life sold me out. Like, I knew that's when I was fucked. And then I think they just knocked me out for, like, 60 days. I have these notes that would say, we came to see you, but you're so pleasantly sleeping. They put me in a fucking coma for 40 days to stop trying to break out. Right. And then you start becoming, you take your first shit, your dick gets hard, you're like, all these new things start happening. I didn't need a spoon to use the bathroom. Yeah. I used to spoon my shit out for, like, what, a year. Because you get constipated oh, yeah. from that. Dude, kind of it was like you're shitting like five eight balls that were all hooked up together. <laughs> so you'd have to break it down, you know. Okay, so then- And these things become normal. You're like, dude, I just gotta fuck. I gotta take a shit, so I need at least an hour to put a spoon in my ass. These things start becoming normal. Right. Oh my god. You know? And then, so then you're there uh, and you're kinda coming out of this haze eventually, yeah. right? Along eventually, yeah. Right, along eventually. For a while, mm-hmm. it's just gray. Yeah. It's just like, whatever. I'm a... And then at some point, you're coming out, and you're like, well, I can take a shit. My dick's getting hard. And you can sleep. That's a miracle. Like, I slept one night without something. That yeah. was like, fucking hadn't done that in 10 years. Now, did they make you go to any kind of, like, you know, without saying what exactly what it is? Did they make you go to any meetings and All stuff? the above, yeah. Right. You started having to go to meetings every day. Every and that's, day. when was it just there was a shift for you in the early part where you go, now... I really do get it. I'm no longer just blowing smoke up people's ass. I actually do get it. Um, I met a man named Sam Usher who changed my life. And he was uh, this old dude that was uh, an ex-car salesman from General Motors. Yeah. And he's like, you go on out in the world and you do your shit. Like, you smoke fucking 10,000 cigarettes. You fuck a million girls. You eat all the food you can eat. You will find the bottom in all of it. Yes. But make me a deal. Don't use heroin or cocaine for 12 months and come back and see me. Right. And he made this weird negotiation that I liked. And I did go back to see him. And he's like, what's going on? I'm like, well, I got a car. Right. I'm directing again. I got a place. I got this great new girlfriend. I got, he goes, so let's stop. Do you think it was better before? I'm like, no. He goes, give me 12 more months. And then we were done with our meeting. And I came back to see him again in another year. It was very, uh, he was very old school. And was there any time during the early sobriety where you came close to saying, fuck it? Not really. I got lucky. I got lucky. There was a couple times where I had like 40 grand cash in a car. And the presentation was like, you can have at least a good three days right now with like the weird shit you want to do. Yeah. Because like DJ AM said it best. DJ AM said there's, and I have the same personality. It's like, we believe we have, we deserve a girl on each ball. Right. One on the shaft. Yes. In a gold convertible 747. Right. With like six paddock watches on and yeah. a masseuse. Should be every day. Right. All day. Just excessive Roman behavior. Right. So those presentations come up once in a while. You know, right. where you're like, that's how it, you know, Total that's how gluttony. it should be. Beyond gluttony. Like right. this one chick saw me eat once and she goes, you're Roman. I go, why? She goes, you know, they have vomitories. So you eat 10 courses and you go throw it up and you yeah. do it again. Vomitorium. You vomitorium. And yeah. I was like, yeah, no, I identify with that. I identify with that. Yeah, well, there's never enough. There's. I never understood the dude that's like, I got this eight ball and then when the eight ball's gone, I'm going to go to bed. And after this, I was like, who the fuck is this? Right. We're staying in this room forever. Right. Let's make an agreement right, <laughs> right. 
right, right. now. Right. Like, it's not casual. If you're going to fucking... That's why people are like, hey, you want to hit? You're like, you don't have enough of whatever it is. Right. If, even with a cookie. It's like, dude, do you want a cookie? I'm like, no, I want six million. Right. Do you know what I mean? I want like, to eat Like, if we're not really going to get serious, then don't even fucking start. Just... Because abs- I'll just get pissed. Yeah, it's like abstain or... It's right. kind of back to the sexual addictions. It's like, if you don't abstain from that objectification and putting her foot on her knee with her face and her tit... Yeah. You're fucking gone. Right. Like, once you assemble that, you're like, oh, wait, it's 2026. Right. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I just, fuck, I thought it was 2020. Interesting. You wake up in another room and you're like, what year is this? <laughs> <laughs> Steve, do you, I, do you identify with the food thing? Uh-uh. I identify with everything he's talking All about. All of those boxes. I, I think that, I know that, you know, we're going to bottom out on everything, bro. Yes. That's, how would you not? Dude, I, I because there's a lot of listen, my first marriage was to a Canadian woman and those the her whole family and her, they didn't bottom out on anything. Everything they did was in moderation. It was probably why I got a divorce. I couldn't take it. Right. Like they would eat Mexican food and eat only half of it cuz they didn't want to feel too heavy after eating all the cheese. And I'd be like, that's the fucking point. What do you mean you don't want to eat? You're going to take uh, somebody's medicine, their alcohol, their drugs, their stuff away from them. Yeah. yeah the first, the first things you're gonna a guy like me right. are gonna run to is sex and food. Right. The very first two. Right. And I might not be in the best condition to get any ass or sex because my life is probably you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Probably not in good place. I'm, right. But there's probably some food. So I'm going to do a bunch of food. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, and then you're going to get to where you're going to get to on that path if you be an alcoholic, you know? And then you're going to buy shit. And then you're going to fucking be on Instagram. And then you're going to surf some porn. And then you're going to, it's going to all go down, you know? And you're going to try and fill that hole up with something else, with something else, something else. But, you know, um... That's crazy, man. Sean, can you relate to any of this? Absolutely. What have you have you bottomed out on food? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Like what was what's your craziest food story? For real. Don't bullshit us. We got Brian Stevens here, so don't <laughs> fuck around. Man, we're all gonna have to give one. Yeah, I got a good one. The Did, crazy what'd you just go berserk on? Dude, I uh we got a large pizza. We got two pizzas and I ate a whole large to myself. Yeah. Really? And it was all bad. What do you was, mean? Uh, right. I, uh, before I was like really into working out, I get a lot of acid reflux. Yeah. I could not sleep the whole night. And I was like burping a bile and like all that shit mm-hmm. for two days. Yeah. That, that fucking cheese and everything. Shit just got uh, you. A whole large horrible. pizza to yourself. A whole large pizza. That's your, that's your food bottom. Yeah, that's pretty much my food bottom. Steve, you got a food bottom? Well, it comes with injury, too. What do you oh. mean? I mean, it came with injury. Like, I mean, I've ate like, you know, five cupcakes in a row or something like that. Yeah. But like, it didn't come with injury. Like, this came with like a cost, right? A serious cost, right? Not just embarrassment or, or uh, a spike in uh, dopamine. You know, this came with, uh, with all that plus injury at the end. See, what's your cra- what's your craziest food story? Uh, um, I was in the I was in prison. And it was the first time I was in prison. Yeah. And I had had Jessica send me 
Oreo double stuff. Oh, I cookies, love right? that. Uh. But it was the, she sent me two jumbo, like the big ones. Yeah. It's like three racks. <laughs> and it's like at least 12 or 14 across. Yeah. So the, the I got a package. And so the first pack, I opened up with the homies. Right. Everybody got, everybody wanted some double stuff cookies, right? Yeah. Like five of my homies. Right. And then they tasted so good <sighs> that I was like, well, I got the other pack in my cell. <laughs> right. And my celly was diabetic. He didn't eat any sugar. Right. And I was like, I think I'm going to neck the whole thing myself. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> in prison, you have to share everything. Right. Yeah. So you have to share everything. Right. But if you're in your cell and you got something in your cell, you can do something on your own. You don't know how to share anything. Right. So I ate this whole rack of double stuff. Fucking Oreo cookies. I mean, it was fucking <laughs> honestly, bro. It was like twenty-seven or thirty-two double stuff cookies. I ate them all, bro. <laughs> I was sick as a dog. <laughs> Did you, what was the last cookie like? Were you like, you know what, man? I had to work through like the last couple <laughs> because I didn't want ants and I couldn't right. leave it. And it right. would go bad, so it was like you had to do the right I, thing. I had to just finish the last few. <laughs> They were good for a long, long, good 20, 22 of them were fantastic. <laughs> right. It started getting a little bit tiring, but those fuckers, man, my teeth were hurting, but yeah. <laughs> all my so, teeth were hurting. So did the effect now that you don't eat them at all now? Do you hate them? No, no, no. no. I'm actually, I, mean, I actually some... need one, but you can OD on shit. What was your, what's your biggest? Orange, orange slices. You know those what? orange slices? What? You know the ones that, you know, they're like, uh, yeah. I really, I ate so many of those. Ones. Orange slices? Oh, yeah, he's got a gummy candy, 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 right? candy okay, yeah. yeah, the candy, like oh, gummy okay. candy. Yeah. I did, in prison, I ate so many of them. I started with a pack, and then I uh -huh. ate another pack, and I got so sick on them. I won't eat them today. I can't stand them. How many but, packs did you eat? I, I don't even know. Bro. I've never. I don't know. I've right. never overeaten a single thing that I got sick of it. Ever. Yeah, I won't, I won't eat them Ever. Today. I don't know I have. Ever. Ever. And my food bottom mm -hmm. was when I was doing the cheat day thing, right? I was six days off, living like a monk. Then the one day, it's time to let the fucking car Funk out flow. Yeah. And I had to do a deposition in like mid-California. It was like a five-hour drive, mm -hmm. which if there's anything for fucking porking out, it's, it's, a, it's a long car ride. Yeah. Perfect for it, right? Right. right. And I'm like, fuck it. You know, I'm doing extra work. I fucking blah, blah, blah. I earned this one. Now I'm going to yeah. take this one all the way past the moon. And I went and I started out with breakfast. And I'm talking like Taco Bell breakfast. And I'm like loading up on like breakfast, sausage. And it's in Carl's Jr. breakfast. I stopped and got like two uh, fucking. You had two breakfasts? Two breakfasts. No problem. Because the first thing that happens to me is, is my initial idea. When I hit the drive-thru and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get the fucking Taco Bell breakfast. I'm going to get some breakfast burritos. And then I eat it, including the hash browns. And I'm like, you know what? I still got some room in there. And this is a free-for-all day, so I ain't fucking around. So not far before I got back on the freeway, there was a Carl's Jr. Two sausage biscuits for for two bucks and I bought four of them oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I fucking pounded those suckers down now at that point in time I started feeling a little weird mm. right but I'm like fuck it so I drive up there and I get there right and the, the lady I'm prepping her for a deposition is what I'm really doing I get up there and I'm explaining what she's doing and she's an old lady she's got all these cookies uh -huh. right that she's yeah. baked and all that yeah. shit and fucking and like those 
there's like a type of cookie that's like a fucking it's like my it's like my mouth heroin which is those little yogurt covered animal crackers the pink oh, and yeah, white yeah. Oh, ones yeah. with oh. sparkles oh, holy fuck and I was just eating fistfuls of those right I get done with that and I'm like and I and I, I'm starting to sweat a little bit you know I'm starting to feel weird it was like a four hour thing and I'm like alright I leave I stop and I go to KFC because I got to drive home. And I knew this is my one shot, and they had the double down. You know what I'm talking about? A two, instead of bread, they used fucking fried chicken for the pieces of bread, and they put ham and cheese and melted cheese in between. No. <laughs> I, ate that. That no I, I ate that, bro. I ate it, and it was so good. <laughs> it was so fucking good. Yeah. And those Jojo potatoes that take up so much room in your stomach, uh, those like yeah. spicy mojo potatoes, whatever those. I had those, and I was driving, and fucking a quart of fucking that coleslaw that KFC coleslaw I'm gonna eat that and I was just driving and then and then and then I was starting to feel sick but I also knew it was my cheat day right <laughs> cheat day. and I still got I mean I probably got another four hours ahead of me I ain't gonna waste it mm-hmm. right so I stop at McDonald's right and I get a 20 McNugget Right, and I fucking I was already I'm like I'm like dude I'm already gonna fucking gain ten pounds from this so I might as well just fucking go for it with the fucking hot mustard that's my sauce don't fuck with it and then also a double quarter pound of cheese wow that's a lot now listen listen my the my floor had like bags right from all the places I stopped and this is no joke I was done and I turned off to go home. And on the way home was an extra mile, you know, like a Chevron extra mile station, like, you know, the little thing. And I thought, I still got like another 45 <laughs> minutes on this day. <laughs> and I've always wondered what one of those fucking Rice Krispie treats from fucking the... The, the giant ones? Yeah. I'm like, what is that? So I went in there and I grabbed chocolate covered Oreos in a little sleeve and one of those fucking... Uh, giant fucking Rice Krispie treats and I ate that and I got home and my girl not this, a girl at the time and I got home dude and I was like oh I don't feel so good and my stomach was like as hard as a fucking kettle and it was bulbous and I honestly sat there in bed like I laid in bed and I was sweating and I don't know what my blood sugar was I don't know what it was but I really thought I was gonna die Wow. And my girl had to like massage my stomach for like an hour while I just lived. I dude, I swear to God, man, I thought I, I really thought I was gonna That's die. a bottom. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Patrick, what's your biggest food coma? Nothing near that, you know? Like just eating fancy dinners and then going to get a full pizza and then, yeah. you know, a two all in and outs instead of one. Right. Chocolate shake instead of Coke. Right. You know. Uh, the most recent one was somebody uh, thought it was a good idea to order a lot of Indian food. And that shit's super addictive. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. forget My about shit. it. Because so much sugar and so much, it's yeah. like carbs, Cream. sugar, and all those favorites. Yeah. And then, but you also, so you, there's a weird part of your brain that's like, but it's Indian food, so it's kind of healthy. No. I mean, right? when like, you're eating a samosa <laughs> or mimosas and you're eating, uh, what's the bread called? Non, non. Yeah, you're knowing it's not. Oh, you know, you're just dude. like I'm aware of how fucking out of control 
this is. But then they have that weird like sugar plum sauce kind yeah. of vibe. It brings it back into the game. I love that. Yeah. That's the tamarind. The tamarind, the tamarind sauce. It's yeah. like it's like uh, brown sugar and yeah, syrupy it's, it's and maple tamarind. syrup. Fucking bomb. It's red sometimes. I get mad though because I see a lot of like skinny like Indian dudes and I'm like, how are they staying so fucking yeah, yeah, thin yeah. eating well, all this shit? Well, they don't fucking eat like that though. They don't, <sighs> we eat it like, you know, it's never going to be back on the table. They don't do that, I'm, I'm sure. Rock, man. I go and work. you don't know what, what's traditional. Is, is it samosa or what's it called? Samosa? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Is it even something they fuck with? Because you'll, you'll be like in Italy and they'll be like, we don't need fucking pasta right, all day. Right, right, we eat right. like a lean fish with some fucking olive oil and salt and pepper. Have samosa house? No, that's the next problem. Oh, bro, Samosa yeah, yeah. house. Yeah, the Samosa. house of Samosa. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they got one on Main Street and they got one on Carson. <laughs> I had a girl. Unbelievable. Bro. I had a girl yeah, whose parents could go. make samosas and they would yeah. make homemade samosas and I would go there and just crush it, bro. Yeah. I'm wondering though, is it the samosa or is it smashing it and getting that sugar sauce on it? Because then you're just almost eating French toast with some potato and beans in it, you know? Yeah, French toast is about, fantastic. Yeah. Anything French bad, I like. I like, you know, right. like Italian, Mexican, and Indian in the same right. day. Anything heavy and fucking right. bread oriented. Absolutely. Also, yeah. table bread. Carbon. If you have the right table bread uh, and uh, and homemade whipped butter oh, with that sea salt. Add, that's, a, that's career ending shit. <laughs> Come on. That's career ending shit. That's better than anything. It's too I crazy. can't go to the fucking KFCs and shit though. That shit's a bridge too far. That's right. like you were gonna die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. dude. Yeah. You know what? And I'll be that, I'll be, that, listen. I grew up on the Indian reservation. I've eaten fresh fish all my life. Yeah, that all shit's right? like. But listen, made out of surfboards. or I something. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I will eat the worse it is, dude. I've been known on a cheat day to go into the ninety nine cent store with forty bucks and just load up on uh-huh. wafer cookies <laughs> and just eat. I don't even know if those are real. You know food. what I got at the ninety nine cent store that was amazing is uh. the. Uh, the ramen, spicy ramen with like a, a Korean logo and no English on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I tried that. It was one of the best things ever. And I gave it to one of my friends that's a food snob and I wanted to test him and I yeah. was like, yo, what do you think about this? He goes, that's the fucking dopest shit I've ever had. Right. And I'm like, how much do we get this at the BHH? It's like the Beverly Hills Hotel. He's like, probably like a buck thirty a plate. Right. <laughs> it's like 99 cents. No problem. Yeah. What is it? Uh, just this ramen, this like Korean ramen at the dollar red, store. Yeah, it was spicy, yeah, like spicy red, something flavor. Right, the real one. And look, at, look at Brian. Brian's so, like, I want to go get that yeah, shit right now. I gotta, I gotta try this. Yeah, bomb, amazing. Yeah, well, that's all sodium, right? So it's another one addicted to salt. Mm-hmm. Salt's a motherfucker. I, listen, the, now the way that I eat generally now, I'm vegan, so I don't I don't fuck around. But salt is still something I fuck with. My yeah. wife's like, why are you putting salt? I fuck. I have toast with strawberry jam. I put salt on that. That gives a little pop. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, why are you putting salt on that? You know what like, I had the other day that was it. really good is I took uh, apples, cut them up out of the refrigerator, and then put almond butter and preserves on uh, them. It was pretty good. Uh, oh. Yeah. That's fucking fantastic. Yeah. So, Pat, tell yeah. me what's up? What's uh, what's the horizon looking like? What do what do you got going on? I got a uh, I got an interesting film I'm doing in a podcast form, which you guys. Are doing it's a it's a film broken down into five or six parts as a podcast and what was cool about it is we were in covid so i got all these bigger actors to record on either zoom or however we can get their audio and it made it a lot less painful than trying to have all these cast members at the same time in a room 
So it was making a movie as a podcast. What That's kind of coming. genre is it? This is a story I wrote a long time ago about a kid, a rich kid gone wrong. It's called Accepting Heiress, and it's like a showing that you don't have to be some inner city kid to go on the wrong side of the tracks. Right. Because I knew a lot of rich kids that were way darker and way you know right. into some evil. Yeah. So it's kind of pointing the finger at that. And it's a lack of a dad and all those kind of things. An unwanted kid. What's it like to be you know have a dad that uh, doesn't want you? and stuff like that right and it was fun uh we got a lot of good cast members in it that we couldn't have had if we actually tried to do it right as a movie right so that and then i've been making a docuseries on an interesting girl that's like kind of like into the shadier sides of life and what i've done is i've kind of taken her story listened to it and i'm extracting different parts of it to make it a docuseries and that's fun too. It's kind of improvisational, and and um, I'm gonna have actually lucky, hopefully, play a piece in it. Really? So yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, just the shooting, you know, uh, as much. I just did my first commercial shoot with the mask on at the you know thousands of feet of distance for a great actor named Jeremy Strong who stars in Succession. Have you seen Succession? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the guy that's like gonna inherit everything right. or not the messy right. boy. He was cool. So just day to day grinding, getting the itch to make film, but also liking this. Uh, if this docu series kind of keeps going well, it's something I'd like to do because it's like it's no crew, it's me. I'm right. directing, shooting, sound, coloring, and editing. Right. And then it's like you know putting things together. I'm just finding out in the new world. It's about going light. Like, can you put it in a backpack? Right. You know, does this fit in the backpack? So I think that's a way to make content, so to speak, now. I love that. Yeah. Those are the exciting things that get me away from just shooting every day an actor or an actress or something like that. Right. I want to do some long-form stuff. What about um, entertainment recommendations or media recommendations or books? Like, are, is there any books that right now you're kind of interested in or obsessed with or thinking like are great? Thinking fast, thinking slow right now. I'm not sure the writer. It's called Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow. Okay. A buddy of mine was reading that too. Uh, you could tell me who the writer is I maybe. Um, he's been playing the stock market with this, uh, this kind of strategy about the different processes of the mind. Right. What's his name? Daniel Kahneman. Yeah, Kahneman. It's really fascinating. It's like the the thought process where you're driving a car and you don't remember coming out here to do right. this podcast. Right. Or when you sit and you process something and you really think it through. Right. The two different processes. And the more you understand them about yourself, the right. more you can kind of get your focus to where you want it. Anything in streaming media that, you, that you're interested in? Streaming, I watch or listen to. Brett Easton Ellis has a podcast called The B Show, and I listen to Rogan when I... It's guest dependent. Right. I kind of listen to Rogan when I want to know something like, I was just telling Lucky outside the breath. Like He had a guy that wrote a book about breath, about nose breathing versus mouth breathing. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 I'm a heavy mouth breather. I kind of get on, uh, I get on the internet in the morning and then I check a few news sources and then I try not to stay connected to... You know, because like I'm an addictive character, so I could stay all day staring at a phone. Right. I try to get it out of the way in the morning and then get to work. And vacation wise or travel wise, not a big vacationer. What about travel? Is there a place you want to see before you die that you haven't? No, just more. I've been around. The lucky thing about the career is it's taken me around the world. Yeah. It'd be nice to go there, spend a little more time. You know, but. uh, Not really. I like. uh, I don't really not travel guy. I think it's because. That got hit really hard when I was shooting too much. Right. 
I don't see it as a convenience to take a flight to Australia. I'm like, fuck, it's long. Right. It's more convenient for you to be able to chill and relax for a little bit. Yeah. I like LA for like surfing, riding motorcycles, fresh air. This is a great place. Right. All these people are like, we got to get the fuck out of here for COVID. I'm like, where are you going to go? Right. Where's the weather better? Where's there an ocean? Where can you go snowboarding and surfing and ride, you know, in the same day? Right. I don't know. And if uh, if if you're able to travel through space, uh, vacation wise or traveling wise, will you do that? I'm not. You know, I used to have a huge phobia of planes, so I probably won't be the first guy to go to space. Right. I was talking to a friend. You know, they're building a tube that's going to go to Vegas in 45 minutes. Right. This is happening. This right. will be up in like a year. Okay. And uh, my buddy's like, "Geez, I just want to see how the date is on if that works well for a while." Because supposedly you just pull in, put your car, and then. 45 minutes here in Vegas. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. It's Musk. Musk is doing it. And they already have the hotel where it it lands, where it's going to be. Right. So, but my buddy's like, I'd like to see that, like see how long that works. Because imagine if you make one move, if you're going that fucking fast, you probably turn into dust or something, right? (laughs) I mean, if it's going that fast. Stephen King has an awesome story about that where they've invented an ability to teleport. Uh Right. But in order to teleport, you go into the little teleportation machine, and everyone has to be knocked out, put asleep, and unconscious. Yeah. And this precocious young boy pretends to fall asleep, but he wants to see what happens if he stays awake when you teleport. And so the family goes to sleep, and when they wake up, they're in the new spot. Yeah. But the son is now 98 years old. (laughs) And he looks at his dad and goes, longer than you think, dad. Longer than you think. (laughs) So good. I got lucky with photos, another guy. I got to meet Musk, and we were talking about going through, uh, you know, the space. It's fascinating that I think it's seven minutes up, yeah. and then three minutes over and seven minutes back down. You could be in Russia in, what is that, 40, 18 minutes. Right. Fucking insane. Right. Right? Right. <laughs> That's amazing. That was, so I, It's a scary seven minutes up, though. <laughs> yeah. It's got to yeah. be fun. Yeah. Well, I met a guy that did it. Uh, he paid, uh, it's one of the dudes that owns Circus Olay. Okay. He actually paid to go up with the Russians. And, and? he explains coming back through is much more scary and violent than you think it is. Right. When you're re-entering, that you're looking at like black smoke, feeling incredible heat, seeing flames, seeing particles. It's real intense for like two minutes cutting through the atmosphere. So he 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 hitched a ride that with the Russians. That dude went to, the guy that runs Circus his name is Guy. He did go. This guy went a long way. He was like kind of a freak that used to do performances on Venice Boardwalk that no one watched. Right. To becoming a multi-billionaire and owning Circus Soleil. Right. To going to fucking space as a civilian. He called one of our friends at a restaurant. He goes, hey, where are you? Uh, our friend owns a restaurant uh, over on 3rd Street. He goes, I'm in space. He goes, no, no, where are you? He goes, bro, pay attention. This call's like fucking five grand a second. I am in outer space. Holy shit. <laughs> he so, documented it and made a book about it. Did he? You could get the book, what is, yeah. I, what's the, do you know what the book? I don't called? know, but Guy is pretty traceable. He owns the Circus Soleil. He's a big deal. Man, like, so he just, he just paid the, how yeah, did he, he pay to the go Russians? To, well, he had to go train his ass off. I think he had to do like fucking 40 days of training. It's not like they'll just take you and you can hang. You uh, have to go through a lot, you know, but he wanted it. And I think he's a chain smoker. 
smoker too, so I think you had to chill on that for a while. Well, I feel like the Russians would allow you to smoke in space if you painted. No them. way! <laughs> You're gonna <laughs> kill everyone. Putin, yeah. you know, Putin, yeah. I don't, yeah, I'm sure Vladimir's like, yeah, whatever. Just you know, just ash in the uh, vodka. But it's bottle. pretty cool. Not everyone can say, yo, right. I was in outer space. That's, he did like seven revolutions, and then you know, came back, implemented. He lay. He said you have no gravity, so you, you kind of lay down <laughs> on the ground until you could get back up. He said it's a trip. I would totally do that. Yeah. I would 100% do me that. Me too. You would? I just like, that shit scares me. The initial launch and the whole intensity and the shit. precision you need to be. I'm always thinking about precision. Like when I went to Australia, I was like seeing two captains, three captains, four captains, eight crew. You're like, oh, we're in the air for 18 and a half hours. Right. Just something about going 650 at 45,000 for that many hours kind of gets in my head. Right. Like, I know, like, even when I drove here that I was like, maybe I fucking wafted a little bit in my car. Right. You know what I mean? Maybe I was closer to the bumper, but 18 and a half hours right. at 650. Well, okay, 18 and a half hours. That's why Louis C.K. used to say that funny bit about like, sir, sir, sit down, sit down, sir, we're taxing. He goes, we were just going 900 <laughs> eating a fucking Cheeto. Like, now I'm worried about it. Right. Like, well, but, Sir, you must. We're taxing. <laughs> it, <laughs> when I think about what you're saying, though, is that there's, that's, where, that's where consciousness can be dangerous. Yeah, because yeah. if you become too conscious, yeah. if you become too conscious about taking a piss, mm-hmm. you can shut the whole thing down. I've, I've been watching my buddies watching fucking the news on CNN. They're just like, haven't left the house yet. They're right. green. Right. You know, you're too aware of fucking nonsense. Right. You know? Like, if you can't, if you become, sometimes when I get, speaking of work, I've just had times where I've been focused, so focused on the word that it no longer makes sense to me. Yeah. Where I'm looking at it and I'm like, road. That's yeah. weird. Road yeah. ad. Like, yeah, that doesn't yeah, make yeah. sense or whatever. Road ad. Road um, I, I, yeah. It's about that time. Right. It's about that time, gentlemen. Is it outro music? <laughs> it's about it, that time. It is, it is. Listen, I want to thank, uh, again, I want to thank uh, Brian for coming down, hanging out today. Thank you for having me. It's, fun, it's always buddy. a lot of fun. Right. Uh, Patrick, I cannot thank you enough, man. It's you my guys pleasure. Check out at Patrick Hollick. I will say it's the most interesting guest I think you've ever had that I'm aware of. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, what about the guy, Brian, what about the guy that fell out of the window and broke his yeah. foot? That we was don't pretty interesting. Him. <laughs> jumped, out, jumped out the window. Yeah, jumped, yeah, got paranoid, jumped out the window. He's still on the hobble somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> what about that guy? Uh, baby baby they, Ray had to have been good. Yeah. Oh, no. yeah. Oh, yeah. Same level, though. Um, thank you, Patrick. Thanks for having me, man. You got to come back. My pleasure. Yeah, hey, bro, you got to come back again to check in with us in a couple months. Uh, Anytime. Right. And um, it's just good to hear from you, bro. I think Brian Stevens wants to intern for Patrick. Look at him. (laughs) (laughs) You stay away from him. I can't afford him. (laughs) From the Hard Luck Show, it's about that time we say adios, amigos. Yeah. Bye. Midnight